Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Um, okay. Um, podcast starts now. Hello, intellectuals out there. My, where are my readers at? You are listening to Stradio Lab, um, the smartest podcast that is, um, two gay guys. You do not about... sound like you believe in what you're saying. Let <laughs> me just say that first of all. <laughs> huh. So now I'm supposed to believe in everything that I'm saying. <laughs> And, you know, this is news to me. I thought this is entertainment and it's a facade and yeah. it's fake. Um, you know, today, Scarlett Johansson launched a skincare line. And in her statement, she said, you know, in the past, when I've been the face of, of different things that I have not been my own, I felt like I was playing a character and I felt like it was time to do something that really felt my own. And it made me think <laughs> how crazy it is that her past spokesperson, uh, um, efforts had not been genuine that's so disheartening i mean to all the customers out there that bought a cream thinking i'm buying this because the real scarlett johansson told me to they deserve a refund they do actually we should do a class action lawsuit <gasps> that could be so big and the reasoning is that she didn't really believe in it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think there's something to it. It's false advertising, really. And isn't that illegal? I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Isn't it interesting that by definition, all advertising is false advertising? And why is that? Because it's um, acting. <laughs> you know? 
Sure, sure, sure. I'm not, I think if someone was, what we need is really, really self-aware ads. We need no. like, no, 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 hear me out, hear me out. Because just to make sure it's not legally, it's not false. Like they need to be like, hey, I'm doing this ad and I'm being paid this much money. Sure. And I only believe in this product this much. Yeah. Um, but that's like better than a lot of other products. And I actually, you know, so take this with a grain of salt, but I think, you know, they're paying me to say this, but I think you should buy it. You know what though, then that gets into, I remember very specifically the Super Bowl ad with Anna Kendrick, where she made a joke about, she was like, oh, what you want me to advertise this beer? Like the whole joke was that she was getting ready to, to film the ad, but she didn't believe in it. And she was like, what? Oh, fine. Sure. Drink Newcastle beer. And I don't want that. I need people to commit. Well, so you want the fake. You you think there's um, the artifice is the beauty of ads. Here's what I'll say. I think every ad should be kind of like a perfume ad, like a short film. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, d- directed by Denis Villeneuve, for instance. Sure. You want someone to like repost the ad and just go, mood? No, this is what I want. I want ads to be so fake that there's no confusion (laughs) like when i watch a perfume ad and it's like someone it's like a it's you know there was one where adam driver is riding a horse on a beach i'm under i'm under no um delusion that i'm gonna smell like adam driver or a horse or a beach Mm -hmm. for that matter Mm -hmm. but i'm just enjoying the visuals and i'm saying well they they uh kind of gave it their all (laughs) i like that uh, so you think the ad should just be sort of colors and images and uh, and then they list what the product is at the very end? Maybe not even that. <laughs> I would say leave the leave the viewer wanting more. I would say ads if you're watching, Ooh. let's say you're watching, um, you know, an NBC sitcom, then ads should actually then the sitcom itself should be kind of lowest common denominator humor targeted towards the imaginary middle-class family that executives are talking down to. Then you cut to the ads, it's all art films. Mm. I guess I'm confused. I guess <laughs> uh-huh. I'm confused. Why? Why? Um, because at what point do, like you have to, even in the perfume example, yeah. there is a, you do know it's for perfume slightly. Yeah, I guess that's true. So what's your, <laughs> so what are you saying i well, put just, forth many ideas i just think it needs to be maybe more like um almost like a drag race challenge it can still oh, be completely yeah. nonsensical but it does need to at some point list the product do you like humor in ads do i like humor in ads this is a difficult and complicated question because at this stage of my life absolutely not i think yeah. I think every ad should be as bland as possible. Right. But, you know, I feel like you know, 10-year-old Sam watching a funny ad, I'm all in. I I mean, that's where alt comedy thrived was Skittles ads from, sure. you know, 2005 or whatever. Yeah, you got to get them while they're young and 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 convince kids to purchase products, primarily <laughs> sugar-filled ones. Yeah, and so that's a funny ad can work can work if you're a child or a stunted adult. Mm-hmm. But as a fully formed um completely perfectly developed adult, yes. I I don't need you to be funny to me. Just tell me what it is. Yeah. Okay. So I want a series of art films, you want a series of kind of robotic voices saying, please buy this product. (laughs) Yeah, because 
It's not that I don't want to buy products. There's plenty of products. I love products. I love to buy. It's just tell me straightforward. Is this a good product? Do Mm -hmm. I need it? And why? Okay. How are you feeling? (laughs) How am I feeling? Um, You know, and this is tough. It's what we talk about sometimes. This is a weekday recording. So I I feel like I am having to put so much effort into saying a simple sentence. It's hard. Weekdays are hard. To go straight from like really trying to focus and then yeah. being like, okay, now be silly. Now be, now be dumb. It is. I would say, I, I would say I am the effort I'm exerting right now to have just a normal conversation is more than, you know, some people that have climbed Mount Everest. <laughs> yeah. They're lazy in comparison. I would say you can climb Mount Everest, but have you tried having a full-time job and then recording a podcast after it's actually much harder. People have died doing this. people have died doing what we're doing right now and and yet we're still expected to do this and by the way we have no supervision no Mm -hmm. one's sort of waiting to save us there's no base camp there's no intimacy coordinator (laughs) there's no intimacy coordinator we just have to get through it and and live yeah i mean i think maybe it's like about um trying less hard and sort of letting the natural flows happen okay that's a great idea let's try less hard um okay how do we start now yeah okay less hard less how do we try less hard okay well not to it's gonna be trying less hard is is just this ready okay yeah so george um how how um how was your weekend um it was good i um watched a movie called the worst person in the world have you seen it no God damn it. I thought you had because you said something about movies that have chapters and I thought that's what you were referring to. And so I thought maybe it would be a productive line of questioning. Oh, damn. No, I was watching Kill Bill, which has chapters. Oh, nice. Think of it. Yeah. Better movie. I, watched I it. might I add. Oh, did you not like Worst Person in the World? I'm just kind of like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> I often feel like people get confused when it, it, like when people go to the movies and someone's speaking a foreign language, they're immediately like, is this deep? And sometimes it's actually not that deep. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to that. I mean, <laughs> I can't I didn't see the movie. So sure. I but I, I can say when we, you know, did our Titan hmm. screening and I, we left that being like, well, was it that good? Right. It's interesting that you called us going to the movies to watch a movie did doing a screening <laughs> as though <laughs> we actually we actually planned it ourselves. <laughs> we yeah, we hosted a screening at Williamsburg Cinemas. Mm-hmm. Great turnout. Um, didn't know a single person. Yeah. Here's what I'll say. You're back in New York after being I'm... stuck in Chile because you had COVID for a full week. Mm-hmm. How does it feel? Feels incredible. Um, yeah, I'm like, I went to a coffee shop on Sunday when I got back and Mm -hmm. I was like, oh yeah, this is the stuff. Like, just like everyone's buying like $12 egg and cheeses. And I'm like, yeah, this feels (laughs) really good right now. (laughs) Like they're playing songs that I know that are like, sort of like, um, hearkening to dare i say uh, the the pitchfork uh, listener sure, um, and sure. you're like wow yes yes my my culture is here being pandered to yes exactly I'm being pandered to yeah. and i understand how i'm being pandered to and it felt so good 
Do you ever, I was in a story the other day and the playlist was so catered to my tastes that I actually became offended. <laughs> what were they, what were they hitting you with? They were hitting, it was, it was like weirdly, I would say it was a lot of like women singer songwriters and, and just not, not deep cuts, but just off center enough that it was always like the third or fourth single from the, the respective albums. As I was kind of go, it was a bookstore. As I was going through, you know, right now in bookstores, I'll do this cute thing where rather than having just new fiction, new nonfiction, I'll have little like, you know, LGBTQ, you know, humor. And it's like, <laughs> are you talking to me? <laughs> sure, sure. I like being pandered to to an extent. Do you? I get, I get, I mean, listen, when it's not there, you miss it, of course. But then, yeah. but then sometimes I'm like, is everything I'm doing just a version of a personal, like <laughs> are, are personalized algorithms extending to the physical world? And just by nature of how I am controlled, how I am expected to act, I'm only going into places that are basically, you know, the little corner of Amazon that I'd be going to anyway. Right. That's a good question. Did you watch SpongeBob as a child? Of course. Do you know the episode where Squidward goes to the world where it's all Squidwards and they all have the same interests? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's often That how is kind of how Brooklyn feels. Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. And it is sometimes it can really backfire and you're like, I just, I need to be around like a normal suburban person so that I can feel edgy and interesting. Sure. Um, well, that's what we were talking about last week with hanging out with straight guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I was recently at a party that was, um, it was a friend of mine who, to her credit, has gay friends, but by complete coincidence, all of them except me could not make it to this party. And I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> I literally started naming off other people. I was like, is this person here? Is this person here? Is this person here? And all of them either were traveling or were unavailable. And I found myself being truly the sole, the only gay person in this entire birthday party. And um, I kept having these conversations that I thought were going to go one way and then went like I, I was having a conversation about, you guessed it, podcast with someone. And I wow. thought we were on the same page. And she was like, oh, what's this? What do you like? What do you like? Whatever. And then at the end, I was like, so which ones do you listen to? And she goes, you know, like pod save. And so you were and I was you like, were taking you have back. to understand, I had just spent about seven minutes explaining our podcast to this person <laughs> thinking that like they were in a headspace where they would like kind of yes and me mm -hmm. and then i kept asking and it turned out that this is someone who listened to the audio version of the rachel maddow show to fall asleep oh no well that's tough you know there's a lot of different podcasts out there and a lot of different kinds of listeners mm -hmm. it is not a monolith Misha's parents were like, how can we listen to your podcast? And I'm like, nope, you're not allowed to. <laughs> it's just, I know what you think. Cause it was, cause we were shouted out on an NPR show. That's of course. Who could and forget. so, and Misha's parents are like, well, this must mean it's for us. And I was like, well, did they listen to the NPR show? They did. Whoa. Yeah. But I really, I don't think it would be good for, um, no, one of the most to listen to this. I would say one of the cruelest things you could do is when someone says they have created something, ask, how can I consume it? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, if you can't find out, you of, shouldn't. Yeah. Like out. let them come to you. If I want you to, if I want you to witness <laughs> something that I have had involvement in, I will find a way to get it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, should we bring a yeah, guest? I think it's time. Okay. Kick us off. Okay, folks. 
here's the thing. This is a huge get for us because I, we know we normally, first of all, there are many kind of intersecting themes here. One is this is someone who is a former colleague of mine. And I have said on this podcast that I will never have my colleagues on the podcast because of course that would create a toxic work environment wherein I choose certain people say you are worthy and do not choose other people say flop, sit down. And, <laughs> um, and so my rule has always been, you know, if someone potentially leaves the company that employs me, I will immediately have them on. Now this person, we normally never, um, promote anything that anyone works on because we don't believe in the economy. But this person <laughs> left Gawker in order to be New York Magazine's diner at large, meaning her job is literally to go around dining largely around New York City and then write about it in her own newsletter. And I have to say, it has been an absolute joy to read. And I, this is the one time I will ever promote anything a guest has ever done go look her up and subscribe. But for now, please put your gorgeous gloved hands together for Tammy Teclamarium. Hello, everyone. What is up? Wow, that was a, a great introduction. And um, I really feel like you gave me the respect of mm. an entertainer. And mm. that's not something that a writer is used to. Oh, interesting. yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're here, you have to step it up and be <laughs> an alt comedian. <laughs> I'm it. ready. I, this feels like such a, an accomplishment for me because, mm -hmm. you know, I sure like I, I watched a lot of stand up on Comedy Central growing up, a lot of SNL you know, but I, I, I've never, I've never had the cajones to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to step up into a crowd and do it. So just to, just to be embraced, even right. in this socially distant way by mm. the comedy community is really, it's, it's a huge thing for me and I, I don't want to mess it up. So, and this know, is only the just, first step. I mean, to do yeah. to do a Zoom podcast, I would say is the first step towards a long career. I'm seeing open mics in the future. I am seeing mm. potentially a mini tour opening for, you know, Amy JVN. Schumer. <laughs> oh, Who did you? Wow. Yeah. Uh, I said Jonathan Van JVN. JVN. Oh, I would my. say, you know, I would I could absolutely see you opening for JVN. He would be so into my hair. Oh my yeah. God. And he would just be like sassing it up. Look, somebody has got to rein in Queer Eye. Those <laughs> fellas are just a little too comfortable. A little too comfortable. Wait, I actually have to admit something very, very um, true. Is that Whoa. I started watching Queer Eye again. Oh, not this. And it, it's hidden for me. I don't know Damn. what I'm going through, but it is working so well. I'm all in. I'm moved. I, I can't get enough of this stuff. Please nationalist respond. propaganda. Yeah, it really is. It is nationalist propaganda. And I would say it's honestly straight propaganda because they're 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 going there and humiliating themselves and propping up straight people. Oh, but sometimes the straight people need to be propped up. They have such sad lives. But sometimes those straight people are cops. That's, oh, that's true. true. <laughs> Most of that's the time. True. I think I read somewhere that 90% of the contestants on Queer Eye are, are police officers. Yeah, it's Queer Eye for the cop eye guy. Um, I do agree, though, Tammy, that they need to be reined in. One of the most difficult things in our culture is to say that's enough to a queer influencer. <laughs> oh, God. It, I, I, you're telling me, you, you know, you, you give them an inch, 
and they take, <laughs> and they take, and, and they, they take. take. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they've got a full scent of, set of nails and in your accent i mean not my accent mm-hmm. but like somebody's accent definitely <laughs> not theirs yeah the day that uh the day that gay men start acting like me is uh the day that i publicly say something about it but <laughs> it, it would be that interesting would be if very... they suddenly if they suddenly started you know live blogging their restaurant trips and talking about wine <laughs> Then you would have to speak up and say that is appropriation. <laughs> I I should actually just call out every gay person who mm-hmm. does the same thing I do as appropriation. Yeah, uh, I guess gay non POC. I don't know. I mean, it's like it's like when you're when you're sifting it out. You know, do, I I prefer not to make large generalities. I like to go with just like. Uh, digging into an example and then hope mm-hmm. that people can learn from it. Totally. You know, because you can mm-hmm. never really like write the commandments. What was, what, can you think of an example where a gay man copied you? <laughs> um, wow. Uh, God. Um, no, I mean, okay. Like I, I only like brought up myself because like it would be ridiculous. Sure. Uh, even like, you know, the stereotype is that like gay men and in fact, like a lot of people just mm-hmm. like to steal their mannerisms from like black women mm-hmm. or like, you know, black femme culture. Uh, but I I think it would be pretty impossible or maybe just embarrassing for me if like uh, a gay person tried to do that and just like be me like, I don't know. I'm just like, I don't know. I, I'm yeah, I'm, I I'm not a it stereotype. Would, it would put you... <laughs> right, right, right. Interesting. So so. <laughs> Like it would be like it would be like copying Fran Lebowitz, <laughs> right? And then someone being like, "That's sexist." Yes. <laughs> I mean, if someone were to steal your mannerisms, it would be a, a very personal attack, and it would in fact be an impression. It was. <laughs> yeah, and an honor actually, and an honor. You should be it. so lucky for JVN to steal your mannerisms. <laughs> this girl in high school really looked up to me, and I remember somebody else being like, "She's starting to talk to you." talk talk like you and like she says things the way you do and i didn't really notice it until i did and i didn't get it but i guess she just looked up to me and that's cool totally i wonder i always wonder was i was i actually a follower when i was younger Mm. it's so hard to tell i wasn't no not even a little you've been a trailblazer from the get from the (laughs) get-go look it's not easy being Tammy. And I think this is why I don't <laughs> suffer from this, this kind of thing where like I go into a place and I'm just like, oh, like I, I feel seen. Cause like, I've never felt seen. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's liberation <laughs> in that. Sure. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden it pays off in that I just don't feel like anybody is competing with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what, like, I'm just like a little crazier or like a little more deprived or a little weirder, you know, like I, 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 yeah, it's, it's, I'm a maverick. I'm a maverick. Wow. <laughs> the last the true image. individual. Yeah. finally, <laughs> We found one. <laughs> we found one and she said yes to doing a gay podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do feel like that was always like a thing in school though, was always being like, well, like everyone wanted to claim like I invented that word. Like when a new word would kind of f- fly around, someone mm-hmm. would be like, well, actually that's, my- I-, I came up with that word. I was the one that came up with booyah. And it was like, well, mm-hmm. no, because I heard my cousin say it. So 
Like, and he was saying it last year, and it was always a big debate. Who came up with what? It's interesting, the, the small boxes we put ourselves in where saying booyah is um, a cause for celebration. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone's so desperate to um, own something. I know, you know, it's true. And especially when you're a child and you have no, no agency over your life, I think all you can control is the fact that you came up with the word booyah. Mm -hmm. But even that's a lie. Yeah, I used to really feel competitive in like the the indie music game in high school. Oh, you yeah. know, just like, especially like back in the day, you know, with CDs, with illegal downloading, where like your collection really meant something. And mm -hmm. all of that's been eradicated with Spotify and stuff. But like, you know, back when I was in high school, like music still was like largely like along racial lines uh or like you know you just like were defined by like the rap people listen to rap the rock people listen to rock mm -hmm. and then like i was just trying to download as much obscure music as possible to just be an expert and something that <laughs> other people didn't know about <laughs> But also it's just like you had to like you had to listen to music in order to know what it was like it was not easy to I don't know Jonathan Richmond sounded like like you would have to like find somebody who had the b-sides of mm -hmm. pavement or something somebody's older brother like it was just work and I think you know when you come from that kind of culture with a work ethic <laughs> you, you just you take that with you everywhere that you go. Mm -hmm. That there is were, very there true. There were Spotify playlists, you know? Talk about I pulling like, yourself up from your bootstraps. Talk <laughs> about it. I mean, you know, and, and I didn't necessarily, like, I wasn't allowed to, like, go out all the time, you know, and, like, have the experiences, whatever. But at least, like, you know, I was, like, I was doing the work, as they say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, where do you put that energy now that everything is so accessible? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, now that you can't be defined by your tastes, then I guess, yeah. you know, everyone, then I guess the only thing left is to get lip filler. <laughs> well, see, this is where wine comes in. Mm. It was a oh. very handy replacement for my know-it-all addiction in music. Oh. Wow, that wow. is so interesting um, psychologically. Yeah. Like you're like, this is the one thing that still needs some form of expertise to actually, and 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 where you still have to actually put in work to to have a knowledge to have knowledge of it. Always a physical medium. This shit is analog. Like the <laughs> it's like, it's a record on my tongue. Mm -hmm. Just wow. so everyone knows at home. Tammy is pointing to a glass of beautiful red wine that she is drinking out of an expensive glass. <laughs> I, this, I've actually Wait, this never... is actually so fascinating. Sorry, Sam, go yeah. ahead. But I'm like, no, I, I, I love this as a concept. Me too. And I've never really been able to get into wine culture and I've never had a way in, like I've never understood what I would want to know about it. Cause I'm just like, mm -hmm. that's like a whole world of just like, does it matter? And, and now that you say it in that way, I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, the joy of like pretension and the joy of like seeking <laughs> things out. I do like that. The joy of that's pretension. <laughs> yeah. And it's the last form of connoisseurship really that has any value. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's an investment. Like, uh, I, I think about 
every time I try to buy makeup or something, I'm just like, how the fuck do these girlies do it? And it's just because <laughs> they're not buying wine like I am. Right. Um, you have to pick. But yeah. it's it, it has to be personal in order to to really work. Like, I mean, I, I know that people fake their interest or they're sort of like, you know, they sort of like get into wine half-heartedly and they aren't necessarily like, reading books about it immediately or like trying to make their taste systematic or something. Um, but like your brain and your tongue and your body is like processing all of this stuff. And so ultimately like, it's a very personal lexicon of like, you know, taste sensations that you're getting and feelings and emotions. And it ultimately always has to be personal, but people always do manage to like, make it about artifice and uh and that's fine i mean you know mm -hmm. look at the label of this bottle <laughs> oh my god like cousin Oscar. right don't you want don't you want to drink it uh this is I like guess, the most yeah. like pop fun label and wine didn't used to be like that you know when it was exclusively just about like snobbery and knowing what you're doing mm -hmm. but now it's a little bit more open and now it's like easier to participate in maybe in the way of like picking out an album based on the cover. Sure. Um, but still like, you know, just like with indie rock, everybody can tell if you're a poser. <gasps> wow. I that's love wine as the new indie rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, and I guess it's like kind of, that still makes it intimidating because it's like, oh, wow. I remember that constant fear around music of being like, mm -hmm. am I being authentic enough? Am sure. I like, do I actually like this or do I like this because Pitchfork gave it a nine or like how much am I like understanding the history of this and what is, yeah. And the answer was like, to the lay person, yes, I was authentic. To the real indie rock people, not at all. And to like put myself in that world of wine, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not ready yet. Yeah. <laughs> but the but, things that scare you the most should inspire you. Exactly say that <laughs> and now we said it and now we said it <laughs> you know what my i used to when i lived in california it, i would go to napa or sonoma to go wine tasting and there is nothing more refreshing than the kind of california wine culture that is so unpretentious because you would go to these places that allege you know i i'm not an expert at all but i these you know these were places that came highly recommended had allegedly very good wine and the people serving it mm. and talking to you about it and the, who knew about it were like wearing, you know, board shorts and flip flops. They were like totally mm. normal, random Californian people had been like winemakers for three generations. And I guess it just goes to show you, um, <laughs> I don't know what point I'm, well, <laughs> oh, wow. No, she, <laughs> No, this God. is what we need that Everest. No, I'm like malfunctioning squat. today much more than I ever have before. And I don't know why. It is humiliating. Wow. No, I'm, I mean, we just got off a three-day weekend. No, I, it is, I, I, I'm, I truly feel like embarrassed <laughs> that I can't form a sentence today. I guess I'm it's it's like that thing of like seeing a parent like not be able to like do the parent functions for I the know first time. no and it's like, I'm, I'm like oh no this is he's actually in trouble no no it's <laughs> yes no it's exactly like that yeah i'm like i don't i don't know it's like not coming it's it's not coming to me today and i feel like Tammy is bringing so many concepts and ideas to the table yes. and i like keep trying to yes and and i'm like giving up halfway through i oh my gosh well, this is my first day of comedy and you're already <laughs> doing doing comedy laps around me let me tell you that 
Yeah. Um, you know what might bring you back, George? Yes. Our, our first, first segment. segment. Yeah. So, Tammy, our first segment is called Straight Shooters. And in this segment, meanwhile, we'll cut all of the instances of me not knowing what I'm talking about. And I'm going to sound so smart when this airs. Our first segment is called Straight Shooters. And in this segment, we test your familiarity with and complicity in straight culture by asking you a series of rapid fire questions where you have to choose one thing or another thing. And the one rule is you can't ask any follow-up questions. And if you do, you will be disqualified and forcibly uh, exited off of this zone. <laughs> Sam, would you like to go first? Sure, I'll kick us off. Okay. The love song of J. Alfred Prufrock or The Emancipation of Mimi? Mimi. <laughs> okay, Tammy. MacBook Air or Vitamin Water? <laughs> MacBook Air. Hmm. Okay. 50 Tony... Cent, like, really undid vitamin water for me. Yes. I, just, I can't get down with him. I just, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, I I did, I forgot how good of a song In the Club is. I was like, damn, this hits. Yeah, anyway, it's a great song. It's a classic, for sure. I, the Super Bowl sort of reignited. Yeah. I was like, okay, I want to hear this at a party. Um, anyway, uh, Tony Hawk or Jack Sparrow? Tony Hawk. Wow, that's a really good one. Um, Lawrence of Arabia or Florence and the Machine? <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia. Wow. Okay, mermaids or milkmaids? Milkmaids because they cured chicken pox. Whoa. And no one talked or about cow that. Or cowpox? I'm not sure. Probably cowpox. I cow didn't pox. know that existed. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look something that like one that. up. Later. It was like the milkmaids <laughs> didn't have the disease. I don't remember something like that. Death on the Nile or a life on the fast lane? <laughs> fast lane, baby. You gotta. Okay, flirting with disaster or flirting with Ari Aster to be in his next film? Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't ask people for anything. Disaster. <laughs> Wow. Okay, Tammy. Being John Malkovich or coming out Colton? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Thanks. Oh my God. Um, God, fuck Colton. Being John <laughs> Malkovich. <laughs> talk about yeah. talk about someone who, much like other queer influencers we've mentioned, needs someone to say no. Oh boy. Him more than most. He's really one where it's like, oh wow, like. The way that being gay can um, just set you on a path to be an influencer who has a TV show for no reason. I'm like, we are actually trying to have TV shows and yet do not. And <laughs> and it makes me feel like we are not taking advantage of what the Lord has blessed us with. That's right. Yeah, it, it is weird to be rewarded for um, not being interesting. <laughs> okay, but like... And like, please cut this out if like it's gonna cancel me. No, but no, it's staying. It like, don't you think that like he could have plotted all of this in a gay way? Well, that's the thing, Tammy. He's not gay. <laughs> <laughs> that's the takeaway. No, I'm I'm Team Tammy on this. I think I think it could be evil gay villain plotting. Oh, you're saying he has plotted this in a gay way. Well, I just meant like, like he, he's always known that he was going to come out later on. Oh, I see. Like, I see. Okay. How can I, I mean, but you still don't think he's gay? No. See, here's what I thought you were saying. I thought like you were saying, 
couldn't he have plotted it in a more gay way? Like you're saying oh. he's not gay enough. And I was like, well, yeah, he's not he really He could gay. have been more gay about yeah, it. Yeah, but you're saying yeah. all of this was a plot. This, now, now that's a theory. So basically you're saying that throughout this entire process, he wanted to go on The Bachelor, get famous mm. that way, and then get the credit of being the first ever gay Bachelor. Yeah, I mean, I think that like in, and I can only speculate as to what it's like to, you know, have the trauma of like being gay as a child or something and having to cover it up mm -hmm. or whatever but you know from my own traumas and like the ways that they've inspired me to like live a big life I, I can see someone with you know as many you know american gifts as colton you know seeing his position you know his little like uh golden retriever face and just just saying, what can I do with this? Name another like gay idol. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so, no, I see. It, it, well, it's like he he took stock of the of the things that were handed to him, and mm -hmm. he said, you know, I'm almost there because to be a you know he's a white man. His name is Colton. Um, he is, you he know, has, just done porn. Exactly. He could have just done porn. Yes, that's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. Mm -hmm. But and he didn't. He did I mean, it. as far as we know. Uh, sure. And, you know, judging on how coming out Colton does, there could be a third act. <laughs> I do think there's also like to be to know you are closeted and gay and go on The Bachelor is like mm -hmm. you're like willing to make a deal with the devil in a weird way. Like See, there's now no I'm way like, your life gets easier. Now <laughs> I'm starting to respect it. Because I mean, it's psychotic. I certainly sure. respect an evil plot more than I respect, you know, the data I have at hand. Right. <laughs> at least right. there's some creativity involved in him, you know, planning this all. And in fact, I would say some media criticism because he is taking advantage of these systems and kind of like seeing where the culture is and is like, okay, how can I use this to my advantage? I mean, you know, call it performance art. I don't know. I didn't say that. And I think I briefly discussed this with my friend who watched the same season that he did of The Bachelor. And she was like, no, he's too dumb. But it's like him being gay makes him that much smarter. Like that, that gay intelligence mm -hmm. like puts you ahead. Like, yes, like that does give you the capacity to like be able to plan and like totally. be conniving. And like, yeah, and to put a, to put on a performance as straight stupid, you have to be very mm -hmm. gay smart in order to put on a convincing performance of, of straight stupid. The only hole in this plot I feel is like, didn't wasn't he also like abusive and psychotic to the the woman? And that's okay. so straight. Okay, well, <laughs> and so that like even as a plot point, like it just doesn't help. It doesn't like further the narrative I think he wanted. Um, in a sense, but then again, you know, all press is good press. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. supposed to come out. And something that <laughs> something that many gay men know is all press is good press. Yeah. And what what do gay men hate? Women. <laughs> so there you go. It's a foolproof plan. So it all pretty much adds up perfectly. to me. And he he, he did it. Wow. Speaking of. Um, yeah, speaking of gender relations. Yeah, men and women and the differences there. Should we get into our topic? Yeah, this is a very rich topic. And I would like, Tammy, for you to introduce us to what it is and why you chose it. I'm so delighted to present the Stradio Lab listeners with uh, my topic, which is 
something that we don't talk about enough. Mm. Um, maybe something we don't talk about at all. It's misandry. And mm. am I even saying that with the right in intonation? I've heard Did it I put both the right ways. emphasis? I've heard it both ways. I've heard it both ways. And actually, um, I don't think anyone has agreed upon it's, what is the correct way. It's aunt and aunt, you know, it's yeah. that type of word, I think. Um, yeah, I feel like Miss Andrew would be a really good. That's a great name. drag name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe Colton, if he ever does drag, can go by Miss Andrew. Actress. People would but he's gay, so he's listening. People would gag and he would bring down the house, bring the house boots. down boots. Uh, as if he could give a performance. Come on. I mean, uh, you, you have argued he already has. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> so subtle. Um, yes. Uh, I wanted to talk about Miss Andrew, not just because, you know, it's something that I feel very strongly about, but also because I got an email from a reader of my newsletter last week. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty short. Um, I wrote a, a newsletter about dining alone and how some people sitting next to me at the bar at a restaurant came up to me to congratulate me on dining alone. Basically, this <laughs> woman came up to me as she was leaving and she said, I love your evening. And I was like, huh? And she was like, I love your evening. I just wanted to say that we noticed that you were just having such a great night. And we, you know, I, we just wanted to say uh, great job, <laughs> something like that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, feels great. Uh, and so I wrote about it and just like, you know, how it's condescending and how you should just, you know, leave people alone when they're dining alone, unless you're really hot and rich and, you know, and want single to and horny. Yes. <laughs> want to have, want to have a gay conversation with me, but you're straight. <laughs> anyway, well, <laughs> we'll talk about the meaning of that later. Anyway, uh, this guy emailed me in response after it went on um, Grub Street. And he said, uh, I'm not going to say what his name is, but his his email icon appears to be some office buildings. Um, so Ooh, architecture nerd, potentially. Potentially. <laughs> um, read this and comma, for someone who is supposed to be sensitive to racial stereotyping, comma, I can't help wondering why you refer to males in your article as dudes, bros, and disparage their table talk while, all caps, the females are all called women. Looks misandrous to me. How about you getting with some gender symmetry? And I just want to say that with is spelled W-I-T, wit, as in like cheesesteak wit whiz. Just saying. <laughs> it, wow. So, so it's more, it's like the accusation of misandry is a very straight thing. I, I would, it's interesting because the accusation of misandry is a straight thing, while also the kind of fetishization of misandry is also a straight thing of, of like the, the culture of like, fuck, like the culture of like men suck. He like, like the thing is, like you haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg mm -hmm. on fucking Miss Andrew. Calling calling the three guys having a boring conversation next to me dudes is not Miss Andrew. Identifying finance guys, sorry, finance men. Sure. Uh, Almost and, sounds more <laughs> offensive, to be honest. <laughs> 
to be honest, because like now that we're really playing that game, like I almost just wanted to position myself as the enemy to all bankers. Right. What is your relationship to Miss Miss Andre Miss Miss Andre or Miss Andre? I know I'm going to be struggling the whole time saying it now. See, I was thinking about it today as I was taking my hot girl long walk, which is my version of fitness. <laughs> and um, we could never really know what misandry in a vacuum is because politically, misandry is not at all comparable to misogyny. At this point, misandry is just like, you know, it's just like, like a toddler fighting an elephant. Mm -hmm. Like it's, <laughs> it's just like, this is all I have to console myself for the abject state of heterosexuality. Like I'm just protecting myself from the depression that comes with dealing with my attraction to men. Sure. <laughs> it's a mitigating factor. It makes it tolerable. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I can love a man. I know that like, I can have like a great relationship with a man and still be a misandrist like I am. In fact, that's important. But a, <laughs> a misogynist could not love me. I mean, a misogynist <laughs> could not love me for many reasons. Sure. Um, but it's, it's just, it's just not the same. You know, it's the same way that like feminism and men's rights are never going to be the same thing. Sure. Right, right. But imagine uh, if we could experience misandry in a vacuum. It, imagine if we could really just like put men in their place. <laughs> I mean, uh, I love it the, is the like, ultimate fantasy. As a funny, um, I feel like there could be like a very bad college production of a play that that's the premise. Like a world where misandry is real and uh, <laughs> the consequences are severe. Um, take me, take me to Misandry Island. Like that could, <laughs> I mean, that could be a place in Greece. Like that's right, Lesbos. <laughs> let's let's get the the Sappho hologram popping and just just chain up some men, preferably white. Just you know, because of subjugation, <laughs> not like not out of like a preference. Just you know, sure. no, it's not a preference. I would be <laughs> it's an optics issue first yeah. and foremost. They, they don't have to. They don't have to be Greek because George is in this conversation. Thank you. But but since we are talking about Greece, you know, we do have some linguistic roots here. I mean, it's you know, literally maybe. hatred of men, Miss An Miss Andrew. Yeah. I want to say, okay, first of all, I love that this topic um, doubles as sort of a doxing of this man. Um, two, I I still am trying to like put myself in the mindset of this person that's sending this email. And it's really throwing me, I can't imagine being offended at the word dude and thinking that's like a bad word. And it really makes me confused on the mental state of this person and if how you could come to this conclusion. Well, if I could, if I could try to psychoanalyze a little bit, to me, there is this kind of internet lingo that is lightly and almost semi-ironically misandrist. And it's like calling someone a dude bro, kind of saying things like this kind of meme, like a uh, internet language of like, being a woman is a nightmare. Like men should all die. Like the, which is kind of like, it is, it, it, it is a way that people on the internet speak that is of course rooted in reality. Like it is rooted in, you know, finding humorous ways to talk about like 
sexism and systemic um, inequalities and things like that. But then if you're looking at that with no context and you're seeing someone constantly making fun of men, let's say, then in your mind, not appreciating the context that this is all happening, only looking at it via horse blinders, you're like, oh, oh no, there's a growing <laughs> movement against men. In this scenario, like when you say the person who's looking at this with no context, like that's only going to be a straight man. Oh, a hundred percent. Of course. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, right. <laughs> Um, what's interesting is like it's not actually no context it's just that the context is his own subjectivity yeah yeah and I mean it's it's also you're just always waiting for this chance to like feel like somebody is like talking about you like like they (laughs) they really haven't had the spotlight in a while and I think that for it to be such a mundane thing like this guy just felt so comfortable checking me, you know, right. as though he he probably just he saw himself as like one of those guys in the bar seat drinking an avocado cocktail they didn't like. And oh, my God. But then. OK, so then like it was three guys. Right. And then one of them left. And then there were two guys left. And the main one was just talking about his relationships. And I swear to God, I have learned more from just like listening to like rich men at bars on this job that I have in in all my time dating. Was it two men talking to each other? Yes. Yes. About like and then this guy is just like talking about like how like, you know, he like he knew that he was being shitty to this girl, but he still like let all these such. And it's just like, it's, it's everything you think they're thinking, you know? And it's just like, they're just as bad as you think they are. You know, it's just like, there's no. There is nothing more jarring than listening to two men talk about (laughs) dating. It, it And it is exactly what you're saying, where you're like, I thought we left this behind. Like, I thought we all kind of evolved together. And then it's either, I mean, sometimes it is openly offensive, like you're saying. And then other times it's not offensive. It's just like so belligerently simple-minded where you're like, mm-hmm. oh no, did you like, have you kind of given any thought to how other people's minds work? I yeah. mean, this also is like, you see this in comedy as well, where like when you do like a club show, I did, a, I did, a, I performed at a comedy club last night. And you think we've all grown together and we don't do this, these jokes. And there's multiple men going up and being like, you know, this girl I'm dating, she's a bitch. Like, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, you need to chill. This is crazy. And you're saying it on stage. Yeah. It's one thing to say it as an asshole to your asshole friend, but yeah. to be proud of it and think it's worth shouting from the rooftops. It's um, it's crazy to see that not, not everybody has moved on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I really feel like we're doing some like anti-Joe Rogan work right now. Sure. Mm. Um, Well, uh, especially you, you know, leaning into the Diesler dude. (laughs) Yes, Diesler. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. So I pulled the George. (laughs) No, no, no. no. (laughs) Damn. No, it is today is all about us lifting one another up because it is a difficult night for um, brain capacity for me at least. Yeah. No, for me as well. So I want to get into like misandry as a straight topic. Like, are are you are you basically saying that like misandry can't exist and it is a figment of the straight male man's imagination? Well, I think that you kind of started to scratch at it a little bit earlier when you were saying 
when you were talking about, you know, the sort of contemporary sort of general misunderstanding of a lot of content on the internet where it's just like, ha ha, male genocide. Ha, sure. Ha. Yeah, exactly. But like, it's almost like, yeah, like misandry is a joke no matter what basically no matter what like i could literally tweet haha male genocide right now yeah (laughs) (laughs) wait that's so that that is exactly it is like when you see something that is like sexist there can be some argument about whether it is earnest or ironic but when you see something that's misandrist what's so frustrating is that it could never actually have any power because it is inherently a joke because there is no way to actually use it to harm anyone I wish somebody could show me a situation of it working. Right. I guess that woman that like bit that guy's dick off. <laughs> oh, sure. There's a couple of dick, dick cutting off tails. Yes, uh, but like she had to do so much labor. That's right. And it was yeah, ultimately, that's true. I mean, I, not to get too much into it, but it wasn't like she set out to do that. Like it was hit. I mean, mm-hmm. it was in response. Hmm. Like who is a woman that is going out and biting the dicks off of innocent men? <laughs> that would be misandry. Like what I want to see, what I want to see is like on the next surprise Beyonce record. Sure. I want to, you know, in the same way that we had like the feminism voiceover on flawless, like I want to be reciting the definition of misandry on a Beyonce song. <laughs> <laughs> Misandrist. <laughs> a person who yeah uh, <laughs> who fights for the subjugation of men <laughs> wow that's genius that would be really that would actually be pretty big if beyonce came out as a proponent of misandry and you yourself wrote a spoken word poem in her latest surprise release <laughs> i think then we could start to talk about you know the sort of equity between misandry and misogyny but right now unfortunately misandry is like uh a trend on TikTok yeah, and yeah. and a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm also thinking about misandry as like, um, it's kind of funny to bring it up as a straight topic because I feel like, dare I say, like the 90s, that would be like, that's like the lesbian stereotype. Totally. is like lesbians mm-hmm. are misandrists and hate, you're just a man-hating lesbian. Um, yeah. But I do think it's been um, reclaimed <laughs> in a straight Well... <laughs> You know, as uh, Eli Weissel said, uh, oh. the opposite, <laughs> Here the we opposite go. of hate is indifference. <laughs> yes, that's right. Right? But like in order to like really hate men, you have to love them. Mm, that is, I thought and, that was, I've yes. always thought of that more as a lady sovereign in mindset. Uh, love me or hate me, it's a little obsession. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So th- you're, God, Tammy, you're, it's like, truly dense with um theoretical <laughs> heft um so you're saying that in this in this equation it's like lesbians are indifferent to men but only straight women can be truly misandrous because their hatred propels them towards men well their love propels them toward hatred i see because I see. like mm-hmm. in in the process of trying to love a man you will hate him wow yeah and all of them right <laughs> currently i'm just in like i'm i'm not in the process of loving a man. I, I I cannot remember what that's like. So right now I just, you know, I'm just in the process of learning to hate all men. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I guess But it's mm. funny. It's funny. It's no, no, funny. No. Uh, no, it's funny. It's <laughs> certainly <laughs> hilarious. 
Um, waka waka. <laughs> okay, she's a comedian. Um, I guess I'm almost curious, like, George, what's your personal experience with hating men? Um, like, I guess, like, what what's the perspective that's missing is, like, gay men, how do we feel? Oh, yes, of course. Men? That is because, absolutely always the perspective that's missing. <laughs> well, right now, we've talked about the straight woman, we've talked about the lesbian, sure. we haven't talked about, and we're, we are two gay men, we can kind of speak on it. Right, I think it's right. important to bring up. Well, I just, I mean, what Tammy's describing of overhearing two straight men speaking about, speaking in general, but also speaking about a woman, it really is one of the most um, emotionally impactful experiences one can have. It feels like, um, you know, you can't really say anything. What are you going to do? Go up to them and be like, stop it, you gross men. <laughs> like, you can't do that. So you kind of feel like, you know, Neo in the part of the Matrix where his mouth is he can't open his mouth, but he wants so badly to scream. <laughs> yeah, sure. And I sure. would say there is no, you know, it's funny because last episode we talked about how much we loved hanging out with straight men. And of course, this is unfortunately the other side of that where there is. No, something... I love hanging out with straight men. Yeah. I just wish that I could. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the difference though, between like an individual and a community. When you listen to two anonymous straight men talk, you are reminded of all the ills of them as a community. Whereas when you talk to someone one-on-one -on -one that you are friends with or that you have some kind of affection for, you're not thinking of them as a man, you're thinking of them as an individual. Wow. Honestly, I, I'm thinking of them as a projection of my best interests, usually. <laughs> right. Well, the blankness <laughs> of straight men can be used both ways because like on the one hand, it's, bl it's an evil blankness. On the other hand, it's a productive yeah. blankness because you can project whatever you want onto it. This is why I think the only safe kind of guy to pursue is just a really, really hot one. Like I, <laughs> and, and I think this is part of like, like why misandry is the foundation of feminism, because like, I'm trying to date out of my league, you know, like I, sh like, I'm trying to just like date a guy who like, doesn't have thoughts, you know, like, just like, just give me just give me body, give me like a glass of water at my bedside, like, like, like do some chores for me. Like, you know, just like, just please be a guy and like a body and just not, don't try to speak. Don't try to be a mm -hmm. mind. It's interesting because you're in this way, objectifying men, in fact, <laughs> mm. Mm. which yeah. I guess is the only power I do. It is interesting. Objectifying men is the one thing that's still legal to do. <laughs> Look, you know, I, um, I don't know. I, we, I don't know if we ever really claimed it in, in a good way, but I think that we should just go back to trying to do that because like guys with graduate degrees who are covering up their inherited wealth are mm. not it. Like they really, really aren't conversations with men who think that they're smart. Sure. Like imagine talking to Elon Musk. Yeah. And this is like peak for a lot of people. Like this is like maxing out the female heterosexual card for like, as far as the game is played. Yeah. Do you feel like there it's this, um, this ideal of an intelligent straight man is, is kind of the asymptote that can never be reached. <laughs> well, the thing is like, analyze the quote unquote like intel intelligent straight man and he's 
he knows. He knows what he is on the market. Like if he, if he has any intelligence at all and he's just playing it for like the same, like dumb rocks as any other guy. So women should just play the same way. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I got a, a kicker on that. Oof. No, it was I'm, really it, I'm processing. <laughs> I mean, in many I, I, ways, in many ways, what you are looking for is Colton before he came out. Mm, wow. Just a slab of meat. No thoughts, just, um, no just thoughts, vibes. just vibes. I, I have, I have tweeted often about wanting to be the next Bachelorette. Uh, ABC, <laughs> mm. I know you, I know you listen, ABC execs. I know you're listening to this episode, so you know, hear me out. I think you would get some viewers. Oh, one hundred percent. It's a great way. Hey, <laughs> the franchise would really go out with a bang. <laughs> New York media would light up. <laughs> and that's who you it would be a over. great last season of the bachelorette because that's it would right. in fact end it the ratings would be so interesting that they would end it but <laughs> <laughs> sam where do you stand on all of this i see um, you I, I, i'm, I'm seeing so much happening on your what do you mean well no no i'm um more i'm um now it's now i'm being a george i would say and i'm very <laughs> self-conscious of like <laughs> how i'm coming off in this episode today um no. i'm like i feel like it's i'm grasping well sure but well I, I mean you're pointing to the fact that it it is maybe maybe it's that we are both implicated in this narrative about men mm, maybe maybe this is what we're struggling with is like we not as only, much as Colton. Not as much as Colton, absolutely. <laughs> but we can only relate so much because it's like, who knows what someone thinks when they hear us talking as strangers in a bar. I mean, we're not talking about women, but we are potentially talking about things that make us sound very stupid. Straight men, we are kind of on the sidelines with, you know, like we interact with them, but in like a polite, like, hello. Yeah. Like, it's never like, we're not going to be in love with one unless they're... <laughs> Unless our they're best hot. friend yeah. <laughs> yeah and they're down to have sex or whatever <laughs> um but we're we're always sort of on the sidelines and and it's so i I'm, i guess maybe it's hard to not have like a personal like yeah fuck them like i, I can't think of um a way in maybe. well we have kind of the simplest relationship to straight men because you know lesbians well, like when you're out but like historically, Not, yes, gay course. men have been like propagating the same, you know, patriarchy yes. as ever. Like, I mean, it's, it's, you know, homosexuality has been uh, an incredible part of civilization, just <laughs> really, really, really defining and important uh, to all of the things that have ruined my life. It is true. <laughs> when you think about how much homosexuality has been instrumental in creating literally the power dynamics that we are currently allegedly trying to um collapse you're like mm -hmm. wait a minute <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe we're not as different as we think no i think that's that's a very good point and it... <laughs> wow okay i mean who has been there every step of the way decorating all the offices you know what gay men are what like to straight men's journey it's sort of the, okay, now this is me getting canceled. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, talking about like the evil of the white moderate, that's like gay men who are like, just like chill with straight guys. Totally. Like, <laughs> it's just sort of like, yeah, well, we're not doing the bad thing, but, and it's, it sucks that they are, 
like we just sort of like go along for the ride right and we can enter in and out of those spaces yeah. as we see fit sure i can deepen my voice to go into the boardroom yeah and i'll make that salary sure why not and i'll get the male salary because i'm a man but oh i don't think it's good what they do no girlfriend. no i would never <laughs> watch the super bowl how tacky yeah we have it's it giving buddha judge it's giving buddha judge <laughs> yeah so there you go. Of course, Buttigieg made the mistake of trying to then ascend to a higher role, but he didn't understand his position. No. He can only be Secretary of Transportation. <laughs> He's Pete, <laughs> which is so sad. He's the caboose. Aww. Yeah, he's the caboose. Cabooseana. Do you, do you think he should have been maybe more of like a Colton and sort of not come out until after he was president? I think he when pushed he the Colton out? card He's as much been as... Out? Yeah. I mean, he came out when he was like 36. Yeah, but like... Oh, he came, okay, he, went, he came out after McKinsey. He, totally, I think. But you're allowed to be a gay consultant, right? Well, in some cultures. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's such a huge problem. It would be so funny some if McKinsey... Some companies want that. Yeah, no. Oh, some com <laughs> Oh, McKinsey especially. Like... Companies like that love having all of them have like a sticker on their brochures and it's like rated 100% on LGBTQ friendly by Goldman, by, you know, Out Magazine and Goldman Sachs. <laughs> wow. And that's why they're sponsors of this podcast. Yeah. Huge shout out to <laughs> Goldman Sachs. Thank you for. Um, Meanwhile, we were rated investment. a 70% in terms of our gay friendliness. <laughs> I want to thank Goldman for producing all of the bankers that I can make fun of. That's right. Mm -hmm. It does make you think, though. I mean, it's kind of like what you were talking about before. Like, what would the world look like if Miss Andre could exist? It's like, what would the world look like if those bankers didn't exist? It would be unrecognizable. Uh, would I get that money? I mean, the thing about the, the reason why it's not just okay, but important to make fun of finance guys in New York and every major financial center, uh, city center or whatever, is because they like they have too much money for no fucking reason. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, it's yeah. Pretty like, <laughs> like many of us living in poverty have, I mean, I guess I'm not living, please, I'm not living in poverty now, but two months ago, I might have been there. Um, but we we're smarter than them. Uh, but we just like aren't as, you know, morally bankrupt or, you know, boring. And <laughs> and they just, you know, get to like live their little lives, like just, you know, dating models and feeling good about themselves for no reason. And as a culture, that really needs to be tamped down. Maybe like they are just the 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 you know core of everything that's wrong with men right now maybe there's a way to weaponize the models huh i mean yeah. i don't think so i don't <laughs> think so i you know people pretend people pretend and you know and then like you know you try to have like the little like special edition magazines like oh let's talk about all kinds of things or whatever and it's like no like like as far as america goes and like you know western culture i think like the like as long as the models are starving themselves we're not gonna have woke models wow yeah, yeah. and i and i'm i'm diner at large like i I'm, <laughs> I'm i really said that you know i i just want the girls to eat i just want the girls to eat okay that's something we can <laughs> all get behind
that yeah I mean, tell that to I mean, img <laughs> truly it's yeah finance bros are supposed to be made fun of it's the trade-off they get to be rich they get a little made fun of that's like how it works but it's like what what kind of bargain is it when like the men who are paying for the dinners are the ones who are enforcing the standards that the women don't eat whoa <laughs> tammy <laughs> <laughs> This is definitely one so of our are you saying, episodes. Are you saying Western beauty standards are because... Sorry, are I'm trying cheap? to be a comedian. No, you are absolutely crushing it. You're unfortunately being a professor. And it's like, yeah. I'm like, wow, class is in session. I'm truly I know, really I, like, know. I keep forgetting I should speak because I'm like, and then what? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I wasn't ascribing it to their, their thriftiness, their, sure. their niggardliness, <laughs> if you will. Um, but... I mean, and like, I mean, they're still willing to pay for like drinks and drugs and apartments and stuff. Sure. So it's not, it's not cheap. It's just, you know, about controlling what can give them pleasure. Yeah. And that's why I'm such a misandrist because I get pleasure from so many things other than men, specifically my job where I get an expense account to go to fancy restaurants. So do you think <laughs> all women should have, should be diners at large? <laughs> 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 yes okay <laughs> now, that, a plan. And now this is our platform now see now we're now we're making moves towards rectifying these kind of social ills there we Step go one, so humiliate. we need to replace all of the gay diner the the faux diners yes. at large you know the 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 gay men imitating <laughs> me uh-huh. oh god yeah <laughs> with all women okay Yes. And then we'll see how the straight guys react. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. It's this. I, I, I like this. So it's every company should have a woman diner at large funded by, you know, the money is taken out of the salaries of these men. And then those diners at large making, you know, six, seven figures are out on the streets getting paid to eat well and humiliate those men in the pages of major new york publications okay wait yeah. i have a plan i have a plan okay what's your plan okay what if we make it just so men aren't allowed to buy their own food so <laughs> that so is the- wow wow so, so the way it works is you mm-hmm. have to find a woman that is it's it's hinge but taken to sort of an extreme dystopian mm. level mm. um <laughs> We've, no, we've been needing that. Yeah. We've really needed that. So it can really humble them and really teach them to be kind and, and respectful because if not, they'll starve. But in this case, like, because we still live in an incre- uh, incredibly unbalanced world, like the men have to Venmo the women ahead of time sure. for dinner mm-hmm. and then some. And then mm-hmm. like, it's still not certain if the women will ghost them. So like, they might still be at the restaurant waiting to eat waiting to eat for the first time that day okay so hungry they haven't even gotten a bread basket because the waitress Mm -hmm. saw that (laughs) saw saw that it was a man sitting alone and she was like nope nope i'm not gonna feed it i'm not gonna feed him it really is such a small such a small different you know such a small tweak because we're not talking about redistributing wealth. We're not talking about large scale 
uh, solutions right now. Like this is not universal healthcare. It's just one small tweak. Only women can purchase food. <laughs> I mean, the world would change. The world and would like, change quick. You know, if yeah. you want to, you can even use, like Tammy was saying, you know, you can Venmo a woman and ask her to buy your food, but you're still gonna have to convince a woman to feed you. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's so interesting because like that, that actually is how the goddess wanted it when, you know, when she invented breastfeeding. Mm. Oh, very mm. interesting. Yeah. You know, this is, this is how nature should be instead of this, you know, perversion of <laughs> society. Right. So basically dining culture writ large should be more like breastfeeding. Like, instead of sucking dick. Instead of sucking dick. <laughs> Wow. Wow. I mean, I think we kind of got I'm, there. I really do think as I, I think so too. There is, and I'm not saying this as a, you know, empty catchphrase. I'm saying this with all my heart. There is a lot to think about here. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot to think about. Um, I think as we wrap up, I just want to say if we said anything sort of stupid or embarrassing or um, something that you disagree with, just keep in mind, we don't agree with it either and no. don't stand by it. And we've already <laughs> said whenever anyone tells us, whenever anyone disagrees with us, we're going to release a notes app apology that just says never mind. <laughs> um, so with that being said, I, Tammy, did you have something you want to say or like Tammy, any concluding, concluding, concluding thoughts about Miss Andre? Well, I was just going to say, like, um, you know, RE, potential cancellation, et cetera. Sure. You know, this is my first real uh, toe dip into professional comedy. That's right. And so, you know, yes, go easy on me. But like, you know, if there's a huge backlash... I understand, you know, it happens to every major comedian and, you know, on my rise, <laughs> things might happen. Things might happen. It I, I be might gain notoriety for, for it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a good way to get fans. I agree. And, you know, to come right out of the bat, come out as a canceled comedian before you even come out as a comedian to begin with. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's kind of historic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's almost like I'm post male. Wait. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, I'm gonna say yes know. and see if it clicks. <laughs> I don't know. I was waiting for it to work too. I was because you know, it's just like it seems inevitable that every straight comedian is gonna be canceled. Like they they're just not good. Like sure. like like because uh, like already like imagine like a funny straight guy. He can't he can't have a clean record he can't he just can't. right it's like where a funny straight guy who, wa who wants to like tell people about it like yeah. no like the evil and i know some male comedians that are not they are not good men um i mean you guys are I mean, I only know yeah, George, but that's right. Yeah, Sam. <laughs> no, you, know. you can vouch for me. I can vouch for him. He's cool. <laughs> Please <laughs> give cool. us money to eat. Cool. Please. <laughs> yeah, we're hungry. <laughs> we're hungry. <laughs> we haven't eaten all day because no we woman haven't liked eaten us all day. We've been waiting for this for her to have a woman guest on our podcast so she can buy us a burrito. <laughs> um, um, well, here's what I'll say. I think it's time for a final segment. Yes. 
Uh, so our final segment is called Shoutouts, and in it we pay homage to the classic street tradition of a radio shout-out to anything that we are enjoying. Think it's 2001, you're in Times Square at TRL, shouting out to your squad back home, just about anything you like. George, do mm-hmm. you have one? Oh, God. Um, I can make you one You should up. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What's up, freaks and losers and perverts out there around the globe? I want to give a huge shout out to New York City. Concrete jungle where dreams are made of. Yes, I am so happy to be back in Brooklyn, New York. Back to restaurants that are playing indie rock um, and David Bowie in a knowing and cool way. I'm happy to be around stupid, um, minimal sort of white and gold decor um, with too many plants and pastel mugs. I'm happy to be in um, around girls in, you know, cool jeans and chunky shoes and big, big, big puffy coats. I am so, so happy to be back because this city panders to me and it is beautiful. When I am in New York, I feel like a fish that has been dropped into a river. Suddenly I can move freely. I am powerful. I am strong. And I go with the flow, baby girl. Um, New York City, you are the most beautiful city in the world. (laughs) And I love you, XOXO, Sam. Wow, what a tribute. (laughs) <laughs> Alicia Keys found dead in a ditch, darling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I can I can attempt something. What's up, sexy ladinas? I want to give a quick <laughs> shout out to when a salad has a lot of cheese. Oh yeah, and you don't expect it. You see a giant bowl of green salad. I was at a dinner party the other night. And there was an all vegetarian meal. And I have such affection in my heart for everyone making any kind of culinary decision, period. <laughs> but I didn't know what to expect here. I didn't know if we were doing dairy. I didn't know if we were doing cheese. I look, at, I look at the salad. It seems like a pretty simple green salad. I kind of mix things around. I see provolone in there. I was recently, I, I recently, in fact, learned that provolone is not just the cheese from Subway and that it is actually a fancy cheese that Italian people put in salads. Tammy looks shocked. You're Greek. Greek people have some of the best salad cheeses ever. Oh, of course. I mean, I love a feta. I love a I mean, I love Greek cheeses, but in my mind, I never... Provolone to me so... Sam, would you agree that provolone is like a sandwich cheese? You've never seen it. I would agree it's a sandwich cheese. And of course I have seen it on menus, but it it, it was always like, oh, well, I'm not going to get a salad with provolone. And I had the salad and it was one of the most delicious things I've ever tasted. And so I say more cheese on salads. In fact, if it's mostly cheese, maybe with a little bit of pesto, I'm there. Woo! I want to addendum that and also say croutons are back, baby. Oh, I love a crouton. Croutons are back in a big way. And I'm so surprised, Um, but I'm grateful for it. (laughs) Tammy, whenever you are ready, I'd say go for it. All right. Um, I have no hesitation about the thing that I'm ready to shout out. Uh, I have so much love for it. It's truly helped me out in my life in the past few months more than anything else. And I'm going to say that it's Alka-Seltzer. And I know that like a lot of the youngins, I mean, okay, I'm 31. I'm about to turn 32 next month, March 14th, if you want to send a little B-Day message, but you know. (laughs) Um, And... And I never like 
it never fails to upset me the way that like my body just like does not let me do what I used to do. And I hate to sound like an old person because like 31, 32 is not old, but like factually, like I used to run on a crazy amount of uh, strong alcohol and no compunction. And uh, I can't do that anymore. But sometimes I still act up. And even when I don't, I've been learning about antacids as a class. And I have been working my way through them. I haven't like looked into the more serious ones, you know, your Prilosex or whatever. I don't think I really have heartburn. As a diner, at large, um, <laughs> I do a lot of eating and I eat for work and I'm not necessarily eating on a schedule that I want to. And it's very interesting. I will wake up at two, three, four in the morning after having, for example, the night that I went to Astoria and I went to Astoria seafood and I ate plate on plate of fish, french fries, etc. And then I smoked hookah and then I took a car home and then I woke up and it's like, of course I have to barf. Of course, like I had fish and hookah. Like it's not okay. It's not, it's not okay. <laughs> but then like you feel terrible and you either don't barf or you do, but Alka-Seltzer makes the decision for you. Or when I'm not feeling ready to party, you know, cause lunch was like too intense. I do a little Alka-Seltzer and it just like, it writes me. And I think that younger people don't really know about the older people medications, about the older people solutions, Tums. Mm. Um, I mean, Pepto has always kind of been in my arsenal, um, but that's more of like an emergency thing. Like Pepto is like for when you're sick and throwing up, but like for the person who eats too much professionally, Alka-Seltzer buy wow. some and and yeah. also for the hangovers in the morning because it's a combination of baking soda aspirin and like citric acid so it like does the stomach it does the pain everything everything and like young people don't know young people don't, don't know. know i didn't know i didn't know i didn't know i didn't know i'm still in fact, getting used to just the concept of self-medicating. I almost, I'm so afraid of putting things in my body, but I have to get over that and constantly ingest mm -hmm. substances. I also, and that was a beautiful shout out. Thank you, Tammy. I've also been getting into, I recently, I had a stomach ache after drinking one night and I had an Alka-Seltzer and it fixed me. And I was like, oh, wow. So that's what that's for. Huh. It was incredible. You heard it here first, folks. So there you go. There you go. Well, um, Tammy, this has been this an absolute delight. Really, really an incredible episode. I need to re-listen and take notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. Uh, it's, it sounds like you're going to be the one editing this episode then. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely am going to. There are a few things I need to take out on my end. But, <laughs> but all the lessons I had a great time. Well, thank you so much for doing it. And see you on the flip side. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>